Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I am so glad you're here today. We are going to be talking about character development. We're going to be getting more into the nitty gritty of character development, and I'm looking forward to sharing with you some of my experience as a mom of eight kids. Uh, My kids are now 17 to 30. We have five boys and three girls. I'm also married to Daryl. We've been married for 32 32 years. (laughs) Let me think about that. (laughs) 32 years. And uh, he's been my partner in crime as we have raised these eight wonderful kids who are now pretty much all adults. But you know, if you have decided to homeschool and listen to this podcast, I'm guessing that you have a desire to slow down and enjoy the journey. I just want to remind you that my friends over at Homeschooling Today magazine share your heart and my heart for homeschooling and for slowing down. You guys, I, I love the print version of Homeschooling Today. It's it's really beautiful. And I love even the texture of the pages. And when it comes in the mail, you're going to want to get away and savor it. Yes, you will find some great ideas for teaching that will inspire you. But you'll also feel emboldened to homeschool in a way that helps your kids discover who God created them to be. And isn't that why we're doing what we're doing? But this is one of the reasons that I love writing for homeschooling today. I know they're passionate about homeschooling and have a deep desire to help you homeschool boldly, to remind you that we're in this together, and to help you see past the present trials into the reality of your true calling, equipping your children to be the remarkable people that God created. And just a fun new uh, development that's happening over there. They have asked me to not only write an article for each issue, they come out quarterly, uh, but also to write a short article in response to questions that moms send in. And the the little section will be called Dear Dorinda, kind of like a Dear Abby type article. And I'm really excited about that because I love being able to answer those really practical questions for moms. So I encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. I will leave a link in the show notes. It's just homeschoolingtoday.com. And you can go check out all the wonderful resources that they have there. So as promised, I'm going to be talking about character development. You know, over our 26 years homeschooling our kids, we spent a lot of time on character development. And in fact, it was, was, I considered it one of the uh, aspects of our kids' education. It wasn't a side dish. It wasn't a you know, just a little thing on the side or another subject, it was really um, just integrated into our life. And I'm going to be talking about that more in a minute. But if you haven't checked out my books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, uh, simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, you can check that out on Amazon or at my website, DorindaWilson.com. I also have a devotional, so you can check that out out on the website as well. Or you can check out my latest book, The 4-Hour School Day. And that is also available on my website, at Amazon, and at any of your favorite booksellers. Um, Christianbook.com often has that uh, for a really great buy. So if you want to pick up some other things along with it um, so that you can get the free shipping, I encourage you to do that. I love the, the our friends over at Homeschooling 
homeschooling today. Yes, there too, but also over at christianbook.com. All right. So a couple of episodes ago, I talked about creating an environment that encourages character growth in our kids. Um, I talk about I talked about how we can sometimes actually be making it harder for our kids to grow in character when we aren't um, on some sort of routine schedule. I talk about all of that and sort of like what creates an environment that's um, just. It's like cultivating the soil. You know, before you plant seeds, you want the right things to be there. Before the seeds are going to grow, you're going to need to nurture that soil. You're going to need to give it an environment that it that it can and will grow in so that it bears the most fruit. And so that's those are some of the things that I talk about in that podcast episode, and I will include that link in the show notes. Um, but today, I'm getting into more of, like I mentioned before, the nitty-gritty of character development, what it is, why it's important, how we do it, and when we do it. Then I'll end uh, this episode by answering a question that I got from a mom about the issue of sharing. All right, so let's dive in here. Um What I want to talk about first is what is character training or character development? Because we throw that term around a lot, and I think sometimes we're not exactly sure what it actually means. Like, what does it look like on a practical level, day-to-day, feet on the ground, right? Well, I think that what we're shooting for when we're... Um, trying to develop character in our kids is that we want our kids to exhibit character qualities, good character qualities. They all exhibit qualities, but some will be good and some will not be good in, in terms of character. And for instance, we'd like to see our kids to, uh, we'd like to see them be kind, uh, have integrity, have a strong work ethic. Uh, we want our kids to be able to recognize and exhibit the fruits of the Spirit, essentially, right? And what are the fruits of the Spirit? Kindness, goodness, gentleness, um, faithfulness, self-control. These are things that we want our kids to own. We want them to exhibit. The problem is these are fruits of the Spirit. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that produces that fruit in our kids' lives. Now, we get to participate in some of that process in terms of uh, teaching our kids and training them. But, you know, I heard someone say you can't paste on fruit. So we can't just, you know, expect our kids to have fruit and certainly not to have fruit immediately. Fruit takes time to grow, right? It takes time, it takes effort. It takes nurturing, like I mentioned before. Um, but again, the work this is the work of the Holy Spirit. So we don't want just an outward behavior. Now, the world is satisfied with that because they don't really understand what a change of heart means, what it looks like, how important it is. They're not familiar with that, with that thinking. That is biblical thinking. 
And that's the difference between us and the world. We don't want to just get the behavior out of our kids. That'll only satisfy for a short time. The long term, it's not going to be in their best interest. So again, the difference between the world and us is that we're not shooting for just outward behavior. We want a change of heart. But again, that's a work that the Holy Spirit has to do. And it is a slow uh, work. It is a process. But character development or training is just that. It is training. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So we're training with the long-term in mind. This is a long-term investment. That doesn't mean that we don't expect our kids to learn to obey us the first time. That is part of the training process. And that can start from a very, very early age. Now, I have mentioned in other podcasts that I would sometimes have training sessions with my kids. One of the things that we would do is... You know, if if one in particular was having an issue with something, let's just say we'll call we'll call it faithfulness. Okay, faithfulness is doing what you said you would do, or doing what you are supposed to do, what is required of you in your in your duties. Okay, so we'll talk about chores, for instance, and I'll talk about more of this in a little bit. But I just want to throw this out there as an example of training is repetition. So. If my child, okay, let's not even talk about chores. Let's talk about something like, I have asked this child not to slam that door every time they come through it, but they continue to do it. So I would have them stand there and open and close the door quietly 20 times. And if they came back through that door again and slammed it again after that, we'd do it again only 30 times. So the point is, it's a training, you know, I've talked about this before. When the military, when we're training, uh, when the military is training its soldiers, it's repetition, 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 because then it becomes habit where it's second nature. They don't even have to think about it. And that's really what we want. We want our kids to not even give being honest a second thought. They don't even entertain the idea of lying because they have experienced the consequences of it while they're growing up and they know that they don't want that, okay? We want them to get a bad taste in their mouth for bad character. And the truth is that we do that by training them in good character, surrounding them with good character. Uh, My husband says, um, or examples of good character, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but my husband says this, you know, it's a, it's a little different uh, topic, but the same thing could apply. He was in banking for a few years, and one of the ways that they train the tellers to recognize counterfeit money is by only giving them authentic, real money. They don't even touch, see, or are exposed to counterfeit money for weeks and months. But the interesting thing is that when they uh, later on slip counterfeit into the regular money, the tellers knew it immediately because they were so familiar with what was authentic and real. And that when the counterfeit came along, they immediately recognized it for what it is. And so 
That's what we want to do. We want to take a positive approach to character training so that our kids learn to love good character. Um, And there are some ways that we can do that, and I'll share those in a minute. But I want to first talk about why character training or character development is important. So what is the goal of character training? Yes, we want our kids to be well-behaved. There is nothing wrong with that because that is an example to the world. And we can even tell our kids that. When we have children who are obedient, who are kind and polite, and they're at, they're doing this at such an early age, and I have seen this countless times with homeschooling families because the parents are diligent day in and day out as they spend those hours with them to teach them properly, to train them. This is how we speak to adults. This is how we use our manners. This is what polite is. We use our manners because it's showing consideration, respect, deference, and honor for other people. God wants us to show that honor. And oh my goodness, what a light to the world. I can't tell you how many times people came up to us and they were just floored at how well-behaved our children were. Our children were not robots. They were not perfect. They did disobey us sometimes. But I have to say, when we were out and about, they were very, very well-behaved. They always seemed to be well-behaved much of the time when we were out. There was that occasional one who would push the boundaries because they're thinking, hmm, we're in a different location. I wonder if the boundaries are the same. But if we're consistent, they're going to learn really quickly that they are no matter where we go. And kids love that. It gives them security. Character development also gives our kids confidence because people treat them better a lot of the time. I mean, obviously it's not all the time, but so much of the time our kids actually receive um, fairly quick results for their efforts in uh, being obedient and, and working towards having good character by that, by the way that other people treat them. And that's one of the things that we can point out along the way. When our child um, does something like, say an um, older person drops something at the grocery store or they're trying to reach for something on the shelf and your child goes over there and says, can I get that for you? And they grab it and they give it to that person. Oh my goodness, what a testimony to that person. And a lot of times that person will just be so grateful. And, you know, every now and then maybe they'll even slip them a dollar bill and our kids come running back and look what I got. All I did was get that can off the shelf for them. Say, this is what happens when we walk in obedience to God. This is how God wants us to treat people. You did what God called you to do and you, um, and he blessed you for it. And so, you know, it's so important for us to ki- our for our kids to make that connection. But even beyond that, we just we simply want our kids to know the difference between right and wrong. That's our job as parents. That's what we signed up for. We are instilling values in our children, and we do that so much of that through character training. And obviously, that happens in so many different areas. But we also want our kids to make be able to make wise decisions to know what wise decisions look like so that they don't have to suffer negative consequences right that's that's a huge part of it like i want to teach my child to be honest so that my child is never arrested for lying or stealing. You know, I I want them to have these character qualities to keep them from grief and from, you know, just from negative 
having to suffer negative consequences. We also want them to choose good friends when they recognize character. They're not going to want to be around kids who don't have good character. It's going to seem like a bad taste in their mouth. So it's going to help them choose better friends. It can also keep them from being around people who maybe won't be, aren't actually safe, you know? So we've got those situations as well. So essentially what we're doing is we're growing our children in wisdom and stature. Luke 2.52 talks about how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. You know, we are Christ followers and I believe that we're to train our children to be Christ followers and part of being a Christ follower is to follow his example. Even as a child, as a growing child, he was growing in wisdom and stature. And so our kids can follow that example that he gave as a child and and grow in wisdom and stature, be teachable. So again, we can't just train outward behavior because what ends up happening if when we do that, and I've seen this as well over the years in 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 other families, and um, and sometimes even a little bit in my own kids, and then I would realize, ooh, we need to make a course correct because what happens is if we're if our kids are tending to just be trained in outward behavior, it will end up leading to arrogance and a sense of self-righteousness. And that is not what we want. We want to raise humble, confident kids who know who they are in Christ. They don't need to be arrogant. They don't have a need to be arrogant. They don't have a need to uh, be critical of others or have a critical spirit towards others because they feel so righteous. That's not what we want. That's not the kind of fruit we want to see in our kids. We want our kids, we want our kids' hearts to change. We want our kids to recognize their need for Christ. And so we look for every opportunity to point our kids back to the cross, okay? So I've had kids who have, you know, committed a sin, came to us and told us about it, and they were very upset about it. And um, they thought quite possibly that we might really come unglued over the thing because they just, they felt in their gut it was so wrong. And it was amazing because you know, God's grace was there. We could sense the Holy Spirit telling us not to overreact. But just, for example, um, there were there, there were a couple of times when our boys came across por- pornography. And uh, they came to us, they told us, and, um, you know, you could tell there was guilt there. You could tell that uh, they just were just needing to to tell us. and they And they felt like we were really going to you know, really come unglued about it, which which was interesting because we hadn't talked a ton about the topic. But I think that because we tried to walk out godly character in our home and they were sort of in foreign territory, it, it frightened them and it scared them as well it should. So they came to us and, you know, my husband and I did not overreact. We just, which is, it was so clear. The Holy Spirit was so good to just say, just be calm and listen, and use the opportunity to point them to um, for point them to the cross. Help them to see their need for Christ, and also, you know, we would share with them we we need Christ too. Like it's not just you; we need Him too. The only reason that you know we 
can even have any godly character in our home at all is because of him. And if if it weren't for him, we would be the worst of sinners, you know? So we, we take a humble posture and a humble attitude with our kids. And, you know, pointing our kids back to the cross, there really is, it, there really is no better example that we set uh, in pointer, pointing our kids back to the cross than when we blow it. For instance, if I, you know, yell at my kids and, um, you know, treat them poorly, I'm disrespectful to them. You know, I'm not honoring to them. I'm not. I'm not treating them the way I want to be treated. Um, that's on me. And I remember there were some times that I did that, and I would go back to the kids because I thought, you know what, I am exampling Jesus to them. What if they think Jesus does this? I would hate that. So I went back to them and I said, I'm sorry. I should not have spoken to you that way. That was wrong. And I am sorry, will you forgive me? And and of course they would. And I would say, please know that Jesus would never act like that. He would never act like that. And that scenario, just and, and many, many like that, show our kids that we need the cross too, that we need Jesus too. And so they will be responsive to that. You know, and as we're we're training our kids in character and we're remembering why it's important and what the goal is. I think about that passage in Deuteronomy that I've gone back to over and over again and really was the um, it really was the catalyst for the biblical catalyst for why my husband and I decided to homeschool. It says this, it's uh, these are the commands, decrees, and laws, the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. My husband and I read that, and we were the first thought was, well, if we send our kids away for seven or eight hours a day, there's no way we can do this. Like, this is such a discipleship passage. This is about living life alongside of each other. This is about living life alongside of each other as a family, which by the way, the family was instituted by God. Um, and there's a reason for that. It is the pillar of a solid society. It makes a difference and impacts the entire world. And this is why it's so important that we are training our children and we are keeping God's commandments and his principles on the forefront of our minds 
in our conversations, in what we're teaching our kids. It is weaved throughout our entire lifestyle. And that's what training our children looks like. It's living that life alongside of each other and doing it with eyes focused on God, with a biblical world view. So let's talk a little bit about how we train our kids' character. All right. So a lot of times people will ask me what character curriculum that we used. And I'm just going to be completely honest with you. We didn't use character curriculum. For some reason, I just had an aversion to it. And I think it was partly because I it felt too formal for me. It felt like, too school-like. I didn't want them to see character as just a school subject like math, reading, etc. You know, so that, you know, when they get their diploma or when they're done with school, it sort of gets set off to the side along with everything else. Now, I'm not opposed to character curriculum. I think it can be super helpful in helping us recognize and name certain characteristics. But I think we do have to be a little bit careful not to not to overcomplicate it. It's already a challenge to train our children in character. But if we're trying to follow a bunch of rules, it can become arduous, um, not natural, not organic, not heartfelt, not really changing the heart, producing self-righteousness and arrogance and things like that. But if it's used well, we can learn to recognize what good character is and what it looks like. But there are other ways to do that as well. Um, But like everything, it starts by exposing our kids to it, helping them recognize it when they see it. We can read stories that have characters with strong characteristics of kindness, gentleness, self-control, and we can be talking about that as we're reading or after we read whatever we read. Maybe we're reading the Chronicles of Narnia or we're reading about Nate Saint. Um, The YWAM series has, I think it's called the Heroes of the Faith series. Excellent. Very, very wonderful, wonderful uh, books to read to your kids. And I will include that in the, the podcast notes or show notes as well. So we can read stories and we can have conversations about it. We can also point it out when we see someone else showing good character or one of the kids showing good character. Um, we can we can point that out. Hey, kids, look, did you see how so-and-so was showing honor to that person by doing this? Okay, so we've kind of, it's keeping our eyes and ears peeled for that so that we can talk about that with our kids and, and invite them into that conversation. We can point out uh, the results or the potential results of someone who's exhibiting good character. Again, we don't want to just do outward, but it, it it is a blessing that we receive when we honor God. God honors obedience. And so when we are obedient, he honors it. And so it's okay to point that out. We can also work backward, okay? So what I mean by that is you or your child might recognize a blessing in someone else's life 
And what we can do is point out the cause and effect. An example might be, this is just a simple example, a child wins an award for something. We can point out how they worked hard, they were diligent and disciplined, and this reward was a result of that, that faithfulness, that integrity. Um, Show them the cause and effect, because I think that can be very motivating. Um, And it it just helps our kids recognize, oh, look, when I'm obedient to God, He blesses it. And when I'm disobedient, there are consequences for it because God loves us and He knows that we will be much happier, much more full of joy and peace when we are obeying Him. Because when we're obeying Him, we are doing what we were created to do. And I think that's really important for our kids to know. If we're if we're not walking with Him and we're not being walking in obedience to Him, we're like an apple trying to be in an orange okay? It's just not who we are. When we go back to who we are in Christ, that is when we are the most joyful and the most at peace. And God knows that, and that's why he allows negative consequences for negative behaviors and negative negative character qualities. Okay, another thing that I want to talk about is methods versus principles. So just like many other things in homeschooling, a lot of us are working towards the same goals. We're working towards principles. So that also applies to character training. So if I'm wanting to teach my child kindness, the way that I go about that, the method that I use may look very, very different for from one child to the next, but also from family to family. So I encourage you to um, just as fellow moms, to not be critical of other moms who are choosing different methods to teach the same principles. I think we should rejoice that they're shooting for the same principles. You know, obviously, if there's something blatantly wrong with what they're doing, it's okay to pray about it and possibly talk to them about it. But I think at the end of the day, we need to be careful with that. And the best thing we can do is just lift them up in prayer because we are all growing in this journey, right? None of us has it all together. Never, ever, 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 all the way along the line. I'm 26 years into this homeschooling thing and I'm still learning. And I think that's important for us to remember as we're instilling character in our kids is that we need to be setting the example of being willing to learn right alongside of our kids. Um, And we do that by making things right when we show bad character. So I mentioned before yelling at the kids or for disrespectful to our husbands. Um, Here's what's interesting, uh, an interesting little side story. Um, I was uh, at my hairdresser's the other day and we were swapping some similarities between our husbands. And while I was talking, I realized that um, I may be actually sounding kind of disrespectful. Um, in how I was speaking about my husband. And our son was there, my 17-year-old son. And so as soon as I realized what was happening, I changed the course and um, started just speaking very positively about my husband, about his strengths and, and things like that. But after we left, I talked to my son about it. I said, do you, you know, I just asked him, do you, did you feel like there was anything that I said that might've been disrespectful? Of course, he actually couldn't even remember everything I said. So he, he really couldn't answer the question. But I, 
I brought it up anyway, and I continued the conversation anyway, because I wanted him to know that it is not okay for me to be disres- to speak disrespectfully about his dad or my husband to other people. And so um, I just wanted to point that out to him. And one of the reasons that I did that is because I don't want him to think when he uh, finds a spouse or finds someone he's interested in, that it is okay for her to treat him like that. And I think this is something that we have to remember, moms, that that we're not only setting an example for our kids in the here and now, but it's it's a long term thing. It's we're, we're doing this with the long term in mind, and so in having that conversation, that's what I was trying to do. All right, so let's talk a little bit about when do we train our kids? Well, our training at our house happened throughout the day. This is kind of the the how and the when. It really just was weaved into our lifestyle. And what I did was I took advantage of family life to teach our kids character. I tended to not do much of that, too much of that with the schoolwork, especially in the early years, because I wanted my kids to love learning and I wanted them to grow in confidence in their ability to learn. Um, I wanted them to be able to learn how they learn. And so I needed to leave lots of margin and space there for them to kind of go through that process. And a lot of times, you know, moms will ask me, well, he just gives up every time he opens the math book. He's immediately got a, um, you know, a, a give up attitude. He's already defeated. And so my first question is always this. Okay, does he do this in other areas? Not just other subjects, but in other areas. Is he a defeatist when he's doing his chores? Is he a defeatist when he's playing with other kids? Is he a defeatist when you ask him to do something? Because if that's the case, then yes, there is a character issue going on there. And it needs to be corrected, but it needs to be corrected first in real life scenarios and last in the math. Because there's a very good chance that possibly the math may or may not be the problem. But in order to uh, know that, we have to go through the process of elimination. And it starts by working on the character outside of the schoolwork. So if his he's got a defeatist attitude in other areas, then I want to start working on that attitude in other areas. As we are uh, doing chores, as he's working through sibling relationships, as he's, um, you know, maybe doing a project. Sometimes they're doing Lego projects and they take that defeatist attitude when things don't go the way they want. Okay, so these are all things that, these are all other areas that we can use to work on that character quality, that from turning them from being someone who is um, overcome to being an overcomer. And that that just happens with a lot of, you know, conversation, some training. Some of it just starts with the attitude. Okay, why do you think you can't do this? What we want to do is get out of them what it is that's kind of what's at the root of that defeatist attitude, right? Okay, so you feel like you can't you can't do all these dishes. Have you ever done these this many dishes before? Yes. And were you able to do it? Yes. Then you can do it. 
It's you, you're just basically saying you don't want to do it. And that's a whole different thing. So I, yeah, so you're going to have to do it anyway. And I don't want you, I don't want to hear complaining. That's another, that's another thing. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But so anyway, you kind of get the gist of what, what we're doing is we're, we're going to, we're going to work with the attitude first. Um, we're going to talk about what it is that makes them think that, you know, they can't overcome and, and, but we're not going to stay there too long because we don't want to feed it. The bottom line is he still needs to do the dishes. And if he complains through the whole thing, he'll get to do the dishes at the next meal and the next meal and the next meal until he learns to do it without complaining, not only without complaining, but with a decent attitude. Um, there's lots of different ways we can do that. We could say something like, aren't you, uh, are you thankful that we actually have dishes to eat off of? Do you see all these dishes? This means that you have a whole family because there are a lot of them here. That means we have a lot of people in our family and a lot of people who love you. So we get to wash the dishes of the people that we love. And, you know, it's just giving them a different perspective. And all of this takes time. All of this takes time and thought and prayer. You know, sometimes we get stuck and we don't know what to do and, um, it's okay to hit the pause button and just pray and think something through. Talk to your husband about it. Say this character issue keeps coming up. What do we what do we do? I'll I'll share a story with you that I think you'll <laughs> probably get a kick out of if you've been to any of my um any of my workshops. I often will will share this story that uh, one of our kids um was just a provoker. And I think every family has at least one. But I noticed like there a day would come and a day would go. And I just think, you know, it feels like there's agitation going on and I can't quite put my finger on it. You know, we had eight kids. So there was, there was a lot going on. And sometimes I just wasn't really stopping to really think it through. And so I just finally pulled back and said, Lord, what is it? What is going on here? There's agitation. There's something happening. There's a little scuffle over here and a scuffle over here with these and then these. And all of a sudden I realized that there was one common denominator. It was one particular child that was causing these problems, was going around and basically poking the bear and then moving on to the next group and poking the bear. So I pulled him aside and I talked to him about it and repeatedly, I was not getting any results. So... I finally just went to my husband and I said, I am like, how do you feel about seven kids instead of eight? Because I'm going to kill them. You know, <laughs> it was that bad. And he said, all right, no, 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 no. We don't want to do that, right? Okay, so he said, I've got, a, I've got the perfect plan. And I was like, this is great, awesome. So he said, call all the kids into the living room. So called all eight of them. They're all sitting on the couch. Boom, 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 right? We're standing there, we're looking at him. I'm looking at my husband, waiting for his bright idea. And he says, I hear that that uh, this particular child is, is, you know, causing you guys grief. And the kids are like, yeah, he's driving us crazy, you know. And so my husband said, all right, here's what's going to happen. For the next week, if he provokes you guys for real, it can't be fake. You can't, you can't try to bring it on. But if it's for reals, you have permission to punch him in the arm. And I was like, What? I'm thinking to myself, that's your bright idea. But seriously, I am at a loss. I have no better ideas. So we went with it. But you guys should have seen his face 
while this conversation was going on. It was hilarious. And you know what was really interesting is I don't know that he got socked in the arm once that whole week, which showed me a couple of things. First of all, it showed me that he could do it. He had the self-control because I was beginning to think, maybe there's something wrong with him. I've talked to him. I've tried to reason with him and he's just not getting it. But he could do it. That's what I found. He had it in him. He had that kind of control. He just was choosing not to use it. And the second thing that I learned was that, you know, my husband's ideas, you know, they're actually pretty good. (laughs) Because there are times that I've doubted them, but I'm telling you, our husbands can be a great resource for ideas and character training. So, um, That being said, don't be too quick to poo-poo your husband's ideas on character training, but go to him. He has a different perspective. He has a fresh perspective. And especially with the boys, I felt like my husband really had good ideas with them because they can relate. They think a little more alike and all of that. So uh, there's your story. All right. So uh, when do we train them? Again, it was no curriculum uh, that was that was our family. You know, if if curriculum character curriculum is working well for your family, you should keep doing it. Absolutely, but that wasn't that just wasn't how we rolled. But our training, like I said, happened throughout the day as opportunities arose. And one of the relational training tools that I used was uh, called tomato staking, and I will share in the podcast notes the link to that because I think you'll really appreciate the concept and it, it, it's, it's quite effective. So, and it's actually one of the things that worked really well on that particular child that I mentioned earlier. Okay, so we trained, our training with our kids happened throughout the day as opportunities arose. But here's the thing, in order to do this well, we had to simplify and I had to slow down. I could not, I'm not nice when I'm in a hurry or I have too much on my mind or too much on my plate or schedule or if my kids have too many activities, um, you know, if they've got back-to-back things going on, it brings out the worst, not the best in me, but also in my children. And what I found was that I was actually, when that happened, I was tempting my kids to sin rather than spurring them on to love and good works like the New Testament tells us to do. So again, that's that environment that helps promote character growth. I love this phrase when it comes to slowing down. Love doesn't rush past the hard places. Character training is hard. Disciplining and training our children is hard. And sometimes we don't always know what to do. But praise God for his wisdom in the passage that I went to over and over and over again was James 1. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must not, uh, basically he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. We have got to be stable if we are going to train our children in character. We're not going to be perfect, but we need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord and ask Him for wisdom first. There is There are so many resources out there, you guys. We are so over-resourced, and I've mentioned this before. 
The problem is we can indulge ourselves in all those resources. And what happens is we just end up more confused, frustrated, um, overwhelmed than we were to start with. We need to be careful not to take in more than we can meaningfully apply. Keep it simple. Slow down. Keep things simple. Seek the Lord's wisdom and counsel for how to best handle the situations that come up. God wants to give you wisdom. It says there in James, he gives it generously without finding fault, meaning it doesn't matter if you're a perfect mom. You ask him for wisdom. You trust that he's going to give it to you. Sometimes it takes a little time for him to whisper it into your heart or for you to run across a scripture that's helpful. Um, But he is faithful. And let me just, as a side note, say Proverbs is a wonderful, wonderful book for learning to understand godly character. So I highly recommend that for parents. All right. So I talked about principles and methods, right? I shared how we're sh- many of us are shooting for the same principle, but we might use different methods. I want to give an- another example of that. When I was growing up, my mom would read this these sweet little, um, oh, I think they were, you know, character stories or Bible stories, or I can't remember what it was, but basically it was just a, it was a story about a family and how um, the kids seemed to be in a habit of complaining. And so the parents decided that they were going to, they took these pair, this pair of glasses and they called them the grumble glasses. And if you were grumbling, the children were grumbling too much, then, and not, you know, taking the correction and stopping, they would have to wear the grumble glasses at the dinner table. Now, I look back at that and I did not feel humiliated by that at all because my mom tried that just a little bit. It didn't last very long, but she tried it. And I didn't feel, I don't remember feeling bad or feeling like that was demeaning or anything like that. Now to someone else, maybe that would be, maybe that, you know, but it it didn't to me. It didn't make me feel that way. It just made me realize, wow, I don't want to complain because, you know, when when it's obvious on the outside that you're a complainer, you know, when it's like something visual, there's something about that that just makes you feel a little more guilty. And, uh, you know, so, so it worked. It worked for me. But when I thought about doing it with my kids, I just couldn't do it. I just didn't feel like it was the right thing for my kids. And so that is the call that parents, you get to make as the Lord leads. And this is why we need to be gracious with each other um, in terms of methods. And we also need to be seeking the Lord as to what he has for us and then walk in it in confidence and courage. But we do know this. We do know that kids can easily get into the habit of complaining. Sometimes we set the example. That might be the first question to ask. Am I setting a poor example? Do I complain a lot? And if I have been, I need to say to my kids, I'm sorry, I've noticed all of you are complaining and I have set a very poor example. Um, God hates complaining. He really, really does. And so we don't want to have that kind of attitude in our home. I remember uh, my kids were were doing a lot of complaining and this happened throughout the years. And usually what I would do, like one in particular, let's just say there's one or two in particular that were grumpy, negative, complaining, and, and they weren't stopping themselves. There was They weren't controlling themselves and they weren't taking my warnings and changing their attitudes. And so what I would do um, is just basically 
send them to be alone. Because here is the truth. As an adult, if you are a complainer, people don't want to be around you. That's the result. You'll be alone. So I wanted my kids to experience this is what happens when you're a chronic complainer. Nobody wants to be around you. Plus, I told them complaining is like poison. And what happens is if your attitude is bad and you've got a complaining heart or um, you know you just have a cruddy attitude, it affects the people around you. So this is another lesson that our kids need to learn, that our choices affect the people around us. That is very, very important. It's being other aware. It's, it's, it's putting others before ourselves because we know that if we act like this, it's going to negatively impact somebody else. And so I would have them just go and be alone. And when they were ready to have a good attitude, they could come back out. And you can start that at a very, very early age. And you know you can do that immediately. If you have a, a kid who just tends to do that, you don't have to give a whole bunch of warnings. Maybe to start with, you do, but if it seems to still be an ongoing problem and it's not really getting fixed, you nip it in the bud immediately and say, I want you to go to your room until you can have a good attitude, okay? So it's it's this everyday life, you know, as our kids are relating to each other, as they're relating to us, as they're doing their chores, as they're playing together, as they're playing alone, opportunities to work on their character will come up, I guarantee you. But I want to go back to the complaining just because I think it's super important to understand that God hates complaining. James 5, 9 says, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. God cares if we're grumbling against one another. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling, okay? Well, what's hospitality? It's serving each other right? Um, Sometimes, you know, that's serving within our own family. I always told our kids, it is the hardest to do at home in your own family. If you can pull that off here, you can do it anywhere. And so we want them to show hospitality to their friends when friends come over, that they're polite, that they uh, hopefully share their things with them, that they're uh, giving and loving and kind and um, serve them. You know, they can bring them their meal or, you know, there's just a lot of different ways that our kids can uh, learn to show hospitality. 1 Corinthians 10.10, it talks about not grumbling as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. That was back in the, uh, it was referring back to the Old Testament. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do you want to know what God's will is? It's to give thanks in all circumstances. Now that's convicting. That's convicting for me, uh, for us moms, right? But I love that. If you want to please God, maybe you're wondering, oh, what, how can I please God? What is God's will? He says, give thanks in all circumstances. Isn't that wonderful? It's a great place to start. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So again, if you are sending that child away when they start to complain, the other children are watching too. And they're, they'll go, hmm, oh, yeah, that's going to happen if I do that. So you, you're really killing several birds with one stone by taking care of character issues as they come up because your children, the other children, are watching. 
Philippians 2, 14 through 16 says, Do all things without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What is that saying? I think one of the many ways that we let our light shine in the darkness in this world is by not complaining. Isn't that amazing? But instead, we are thankful and rejoicing people. This sets us apart. It's easy to complain. Anybody can complain. But to give thanks and to rejoice and to do it consistently, oh my goodness, that's something that comes from the Lord because it's enduring and it lasts. This honors the Lord and is and is actually good for us too. There is science out there that talks about how complaining actually triggers all kinds of bad chemicals in our bodies. And that makes sense because it isn't what we were made for. God made us to be thankful and rejoicing people. Again, this honors the Lord and is good for us. Okay, so as promised, I'm going to answer a mom's question on how I dealt, how we, our family, dealt with possession of things between children. So specific toys are given for birthdays or holidays, sharing versus letting the one who received it have ownership. That's her question there. What's, you know, how do we, how do we handle this? So here was my answer. We don't believe in socialism or communism, so almost everything our kids owned was not community property. Pretty much every item had a quote-unquote owner. In the adult world, I don't get to go over to my neighbor and borrow his lawnmower whenever I want, and he doesn't have to share it with me even if I ask. It's his. He owns it. I can ask to borrow it or, in kid terms, play with it. But I have to give it back when he asks for it. This is the kind of approach that we took with our kids' toys. It seemed counterintuitive, but the truth is that if a child won't share any of his stuff, the natural consequences are that no one will share theirs with him, and he will just be out of luck until he decides that sharing is a good idea. In other words, he will realize eventually, that he likes it when others share with him, so he may want to share with others. And in that, he's learning that golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, you know, even if that child comes and complains to us, well, they're not sharing. We can say, well, you don't share with them, so they don't want to share with you. End of story. Problem solved. You can let them noodle that over. We can encourage sharing, but we really don't have to force it. Now, at our house, if there was too much grief happening over an item, for instance, the owner was being a twit about it or both kids were being jerks, I took it. No one got it. Problem solved. If they wanted it back, they needed to learn how to work it out. And that's for those things that, you know, those times when they're both kind of being, you know, they both have bad attitudes or that occasional thing that actually doesn't belong to to just anybody. It doesn't belong to anyone specific, excuse me. So we do it this way. We don't always have to be the bad guy. 
We can hold our kids responsible for their own actions by having a little bit of patience and letting natural consequences play as much of a role as possible. So what we're doing when we do that is we're encouraging ownership. We're encouraging responsibility in our kids and how they steward their relationships and their stuff. So they're, they're learning to develop a relationship between their things and the people in their lives and how that all ties together. I have a couple of, um, oh, I have another podcast that I will share uh, the link in the show notes called When Character Training Feels Like an Obstacle. So that's when it's a struggle to slow down and to really make character training um, the important uh, priority that it really does need to be throughout our days. We're going to go ahead and pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity to train and teach our children your ways. God, we thank you that you are a good God and all your ways are good. All that you do is good and all of your principles are good. They are not only glorifying to you, but they are good for us because you love us with an everlasting love and you love our children with an everlasting love. And we ask for wisdom and patience and um, just a teachable spirit as we walk out the task of training our children um, in the ways of you, Lord. We want them to grow in the nurture and admonition of you. We want them to grow in wisdom, Lord. And so we just pray for your for your wisdom to help us to accomplish that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.